I really do not like email forwards. Uh, when people first started emailing and forwarding things became popular, inspirational stories and writings flooded the internet, and everyone must have thought the preacher would want to read them all. Uh, every time I would check my email, inspirational forwards would be waiting for me. Well, I got tired of it and let it be known that I didn't want them and would just delete them. Well, some people understood, some were offended, and one found a way around my refusal to open them. <laughs> he printed them and Put them on my desk. Now, I don't want this to be an open invitation, Dwayne. Uh, <laughs> Dwayne is the only one sanctioned to leave forwards on my desk. Uh, but I do have to admit that I generally take a look at his offerings and occasionally I really like one. Well, the one he left last week even found its way into my column, the church paper. If you happen to notice that. Uh, now, it's going to serve as an introduction to my sermon. It's purported to be a third grade homework assignment to explain God, written by eight-year-old Danny Dutton of Chula Vista, California. Now, I can't vouch for its authenticity and have to admit I didn't even check into it. I didn't want to take a chance. It might be bogus and I couldn't use it. <laughs> anyway, Danny begins his explanation of God by writing, one of God's main jobs is making people. He makes them to replace the ones that die. So there will be enough people to take care of things on earth. He doesn't make grown-ups, just babies. I think because they're smaller and easier to make. <laughs> that way, he doesn't have to take up his valuable time teaching them to talk and walk. He can just leave that to mothers and fathers. <laughs> Out of the mouths of babes comes a valuable insight into the nature of babies. They require a lot of care and a family. And not only is that true of physical babies, it's true of spiritual babies as well. And on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 babies were delivered into the hands of the apostles. What were they going to do with 3,000 newborns? Before we find out, let's set the scene in the delivery room. It's 50 days after Christ had ascended into heaven, and the apostles have just received the promised outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They are apparently somewhere on the grounds of the temple in Jerusalem, and a crowd of thousands has gathered around them, attracted by the sound of a violent rushing wind. And then, 
after hearing the apostles declare the mighty deeds of God in their native languages and discovering that they were responsible for killing the Son of God, many in the crowd go into spiritual labor and 3,000 births take place. Let's pick up the account in Acts 2, beginning with verse 27. Now, when they heard this, when they heard they were responsible for the death of God's Son, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. When Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, seeking answers to spiritual questions, Jesus told him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. When Nicodemus then asked, How can a man be born when he's old? Jesus simply said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, he didn't explain to Nicodemus how one is born of water and the Spirit, how one is born again, because it wasn't yet possible for anyone to be born again. But when Peter was asked, what shall we do? It was possible. Jesus had died and risen again. And now through him, it was possible for others to die and rise again as well. That is how someone is born again, by dying and rising again. And it's through Christian baptism that we experience that death. And resurrection. Paul made that clear some years later in Romans 6, 3 through 6. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. That was the only way Peter's hearers 
could be cleansed of the sin of crucifying the Son of God. They had to die and be born again. And when Peter told them what to do, they didn't argue with him. They didn't object to getting wet. They didn't ask him if it was really necessary. They just did it. And they knew what he meant when he said, be baptized. You know, John had baptized people in the Jordan. And Jesus' disciples had continued baptizing repentant Jews to prepare them for the coming of the kingdom of God. There's even evidence that Jews had been baptizing, immersing Gentiles who wanted to become Jews as a symbolic way to be cleansed of their sins. And now Peter was offering to those who were pierced to the heart, those who were overcome with grief after hearing they were responsible for the death of God's Son, offering to them a way to be forgiven, to be cleansed, to die and be born again. And they took it. 3,000 people experienced a spiritual birth that day. They buried their sinful past in watery graves and rose to walk in newness of life, empowered by the same Spirit that had been poured out on the apostles and could now live in hearts that had been opened and cleansed. In effect, 3,000 babies were born that day. But what do you do with three? thousand babies. How do you care for them? Well, as Danny said, God doesn't make grown-ups, just babies. And he leaves teaching them to talk and walk to mothers and fathers, to adults who are responsible for their care and development. The apostles now had 3,000 spiritual babies to care for. Let's see how they did it. Verses 42 and 43. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Now, obviously, 3,000 spiritual newborns aren't totally helpless, but they do require help if they're to grow up. And Luke does note that they devoted themselves to four things that we all need to be devoted to if we're going to grow up into spiritually mature believers. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. So how did these spiritual babies know they needed to be devoted to these four things? Well, the same way we do. Through the first one, the apostles' teaching. At that point, however, the apostles' teaching wasn't something they could read for themselves and follow. The New Testament hadn't yet been written. So they must have received the apostles' teaching 
directly from the apostles. The apostles had to personally teach them. Whether they felt like they were ready for parenthood or not, they had 3,000 spiritual mouths to feed. But good parenting requires more than just feeding. So they had to spend time with their spiritual children. They had to fellowship with them. And they encouraged them to fellowship with each other. They also had to keep them focused on what it was that made their new life possible, the death of Christ. So they followed Jesus' instruction to regularly remember his sacrifice by sharing in the Lord's Supper. And like all children, they had to be prayed for and prayed with continually. The apostles had a big job. But God had equipped them through His Spirit to do the job. Wonders and signs confirmed that He was working through them and the people were in awe of the job they were doing. Still, the job required more than the apostles alone could do. They needed help and no doubt the 120 brethren who had been together before Pentecost pitched in to help care for the babies just like family and friends and neighbors do when parents are blessed with multiple births and a big family arrives all at once. And spiritual babies do mature at different rates. So before long, some started acting like big brothers and sisters to the others. They were becoming a family, a family of 3,000. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. You know, big families can be a challenge. We always thought we wanted a big family, and then we had Matt. <laughs> Our biggest regret in life is that we chickened out. <laughs> we should have had more. Our children have blessed us more than we could ever have imagined. And they've both gone on to establish homes that are filled with, with love. Love for God and love for one another. The same was true of the first Christian family of 3,000. You know, rather than being characterized by rivalry and bickering, as might be expected in a large family, made up of many individuals of varying needs and temperaments, there was an overwhelming sense of unity and community. In fact, Luke notes that all who had believed were together and had all things in common. Many were actually selling their property and possessions so they could give to their brothers and sisters who were in need. Now, this wasn't communism or socialism, the enforced redistribution of wealth. 
It was simply caring for one another, doing what needed to be done. They met physical needs in the family. And they met emotional and social needs as well. They got together regularly in the temple and in homes. They spent time together. They ate together. They enjoyed each other's company. Much of their time was filled with laughter and joy and gladness, praising God for His goodness and grace. And those outside the family noticed and were drawn to them. Before long, others wanted to be a part of the family. And so it was soon 3,000 and growing. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. No matter how much you admire a family, you can't become a part of it by simply saying, I want to be a part of your family. You have to be born into a family or adopted in. And either action must be initiated by the parents. Now, if an open invitation has been made and you agree to the terms of the invitation, you do have some say about being in the family or not. But the Lord is the only one who actually adds to the number in his family. Fortunately, he welcomes all who will be born again. In fact, our primary job as family members is to draw others into a relationship with our Lord so they too can become family members. The church started with 3,000 births on a single day, and then the family grew because those who were born grew up. They didn't stay babies forever. They matured. They became big brothers and big sisters to others who were born into the family. And as a result, the family kept growing. Same thing can happen today. If family members commit themselves to growing up by devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, something we are going to take a much closer look at next week, we will always be the kind of family that others will want to join. And when they ask, Brethren, what shall we do? We'll answer them the same way Peter did 2,000 years ago. Repent. And let each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you've not done that, today can be your birthday. Come. Express your trust in the Heavenly Father by obeying what He told you to do to be born.